to WVNG Ed Talks, a simple discussion about sometimes complex military education benefits. I'm Dr. Sherry Schaefer, Education Services Officer for the West Virginia National Guard. Today we will discuss a unique education option in West Virginia. I'm talking about the Regents Bachelor of Arts degree, otherwise known as the RBA program. Joining me today is Dave Robbins, the Program Coordinator for Aviation and RBA at WVU Tech. Welcome to Ed Talks. Hi, Sherry. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to work with the Regents program at your institutions. I came to work quite by accident, actually. I was an airline pilot, regional airline pilot. I'd been furloughed, um, wasn't getting the job back, and kind of stumbled into higher education about 30 years ago. And uh, here I am. So you just sort of fell into the Regents program, too? Absolutely. I am not a traditional academic. I am not a professor. I'm by nature a pilot. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So tell me then a little bit about the RBA program itself. I know there's a a lot of misunderstanding out there, but I understand it's been around for a long time. You're correct. The RBA program is approximately 50 years old. It was designed then to fill a need in higher education, uh, specifically to help individuals who, for whatever reason, dropped out of college, uh, maybe attended different colleges with uh, pursuing different majors, uh, find themselves in a position where they had a considerable amount of college credit, but really weren't on track to earn a degree. And the RBA degree was designed to help those specific types of people. And that's still in play today to a large extent, isn't it? Absolutely, not? and maybe even more so with uh, you know more mobile society. Uh, it's very, very much an issue. Uh, we, we see lots of people that, that are in this position, uh, male and female, uh, relatively young and relatively old and all in between. So many people fall into this category. So where's the program offered throughout the state to include your institution at WVU Tech? So RBA is offered at all of the state-owned four-year institutions. So WVU, WVU Tech, Marshall, Concord, et cetera. And uh, students are free to go to any of those schools. Uh, Typically, the decision is based on location and is based on particular areas of of expertise that the different schools may have and also on relationships, quite honestly. Yeah, I think that's true, too. The, The relationship piece, how they feel about a campus, what other programs they offer, you know, things like um, veteran services. Don't you find that to be part of the decision-making process too? Very, very much so. It's it's a package. Um, and it was traditionally, the decision was, was driven by location because you had to go to school to go to the campus to take the classes. But now there is so much available online that Students can be anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, literally anywhere in the world, with us at least, taking classes. That's fantastic. So what are the basic components of the degree that makes it so different from a traditional academic program? Well, a traditional academic program has many specific courses required in any individual degree. Uh, business courses, of course, would, re- would require a number of business, or business degrees would require a number of business courses. The RBA degree has no specific course requirements. There is not even English 101 is required, but it does have subject area requirements. 
uh, things like communications, six hours are required in communications, uh, social sciences, six hours. So there's a general ed component uh, of, of those types of courses. Uh, there is an overall requirement of 120 credit hours. There is a residency requirement of 24 hours. That is interesting because people associate residency with being on campus at a particular school. Right. But residency in this case basically means 24 hours of courses taken from West Virginia state-owned schools. This can be a combination of community colleges and traditional colleges. Individual schools uh, may have specific requirements. For example, tech requires only three hours taken from tech of that 24 other schools may have you know, six, nine, 12 hours, but uh, it will be at least three. I don't know that it's ever any more than 12. So that may also play a part in that decision-making process. If you've gotten, you know, already gotten 21 hours under your belt and then, you know, your school says, well, we only need three more for residency. Yep, that's exactly true. And I've found uh, both military and civilian folks, uh, highly edu- or trained and experienced individuals in particular, uh, that really only need the 24 hours of residency. So if you took all your classes in Colorado, for example, uh, and then say you had uh, maybe 50, even 75 hours of credit from a joint services transcript, uh, you may fall into the category of what I call 24-hour guys, where once you've met the residency requirement, within that 24 hours, you can meet all the rest of the degree requirements, and you're in and out in 24 hours. Now, that is something that applies to people that – are more out of state or their education was out of state than to people that traditionally grew up in West Virginia and were, were educated in West Virginia. But that's a good example. Have you ever seen anyone walk off the street and come to you and you're like, oh, wow, you just need to go <laughs> apply and graduate? Who's, who's already attended your school, met the requirements, and they didn't even know it? I actually have, yeah. Um, years ago, for example, at Tech, the overall degree requirements were 128 hours. And if you were in, say, an engineering program and something went wrong towards the end, maybe you were drafted for that matter, uh, and you never finished that last eight hours, but you had the 120 and you had everything else, yeah, in some cases it's simply a matter of applying and uh, being awarded a degree. Now, that's very unusual, but I have seen it happen. Yeah. So um, the basic components then – what our listeners may not know is that there are a lot of ways to get at the required coursework. Can you describe those options? You said, you know, course take classes, but there are other ways to do it. Well, you're right. Traditional classes is what most people think of when they think about going back to college, traditional NC classes. Uh, the next sort of option would be online classes. Uh, the way most schools in West Virginia offer online classes is they're on a traditional semester schedule uh, but they are they are asynchronous, so it's not like you have to be in class every Wednesday at 10 o'clock, but during the week you have to do certain things, and these things are required every week. Now, obviously, that's a simplification, but that's the kind of the overall concept of online. Uh, there is credit for different types of certificates. Uh, so I'm a pilot, so because of my flight training, uh, my FAA certificates in particular – uh, if I was doing this, I'd be eligible for 49 credit hours, uh, a great portion of which would be upper division credit hours for my flight training. Aircraft mechanics, um, if they have the FAA aircraft mechanic and power plant certificate, uh, would be eligible for 67 hours of lower division credit. Uh, 
there are a number of other things that the state RBA system awards credit for. And to your audience in particular, uh, we also accept credit for joint services transcripts. So that was going to be my next question. So for our soldiers and airmen in the state, the soldiers, of course, would have the joint services transcript, otherwise known as the JST. And then the, the airmen would have the Community College of the Air Force credit, which, which comes on their CCAF transcript. Um, what is the value in it to bring those transcripts with them? Uh, it, it obviously depends on what's on those transcripts, but it can be huge. For somebody that's been in, in service for maybe 20 years and has really taken advantage of all the opportunities the military prevent, or provides, uh, I've had guys come in with 50, 75, even 100 credit hours from either CCAF or JST transcripts. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the bulk of your degree. Now, in those cases, uh, generally they still need to take some more work because what the JST doesn't typically cover, and Community College of the Air, Corps, Air Force is similar, it may not cover things like English 101, uh, some, some basic gen ed courses. And uh, especially with CCAF, often they don't have the, – the, the training isn't upper division, upper level college credits, and there is a significant around 30 hours upper division college credit required in this as part of the 120 hours. So in some cases, they're lacking upper division. In some cases, they're lacking gen ed. And in some cases, they're just lacking residency. But some of the other ways that they might be able to get at that uh, general education credit could be through test outs like CLEP or DSST, correct? That's right. Uh, CLEP and DSST are a couple good ones. Uh, in Down those lines, there's a, I hate to call it new, it's kind of a rebranded service called study.com that uh, can shortcut this process. Uh, there are many options out there. Um, and it, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's just like a scavenger hunt for, for an adult that's done a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of educational opportunities. It's not like we're going to just open up a folder and say, oh, gee, you know, you have five hours or 50 hours to go. Typically when I do evaluations, I start with the basics, start with the transcripts, I start with the, the JSTs, the, the, the stuff that is right in front of me that's in black and white. And we put those on, a, on an evaluation form. Then we start looking to where that leads us. You know, does this person where they say a real estate broker years ago, or did they work in the, uh, in the volunteer fire department? Is there maybe some credit for that? Um, and that is kind of the tricky part because the students don't know where to look. And in some cases, even the, the RBA uh, coordinators don't know where to look either. So as we develop relationships with the students, uh, then these things kind of come out. Uh, you mentioned earlier about people that walk in and get a degree. I had a, a gentleman years ago that applied for this. Uh, he was pretty old. He had been a, a former tech student. Uh, pulled up his transcripts, and he had 117 credit hours. He needed 120. He needed one more course. Uh, at this point, this, this poor guy's in a nursing home. He's uh, you know, very limited mobility, very limited access to anything. And, but he wanted to take a course. He took the first one. He failed. He wanted to take another one. He took a second course, and that didn't go well either. And a lot of this was just the inherent problems of being in a nursing home trying to take a course. And we were having a conversation one day, and he brought up that he had a, a surface miners card, mm-hmm. uh, which just happens to be worth, drum roll please, three, three credit, credit hours. hours. <laughs> and this guy got the degree. I don't know if he ever even got out of that nursing home to – quote-unquote, use the degree, but it's something he wanted. 
And because we were able to develop a relationship with him, we found that hidden three credit hours. And I think that's an important part of my job is to work with students and really understand their background and, and their educational and work life experience. So that counseling piece is really important. It is. what I'm hearing you say. So you just said the work-life experience. So there is a portfolio option as well. There is. And that is generally when I recommend credits, the portfolio is the last thing I recommend. It is the most uh, nebulous type of thing. It's uh, If you do a portfolio, it may be worth 20 or 30 credit hours. It may be worth nothing. Uh, The portfolio... We use the term experience, but what really a portfolio is based on is college-level learning, not experience. I use the comparison of somebody who goes to work at 18 and working in a tire shop changing tires. They may work there for 20 years, but all they've done is change tires. That's not college-level learning in the first place. Uh, so they have tons of experience, but they don't have any college-level learning. The other guy goes uh, at 18, he opens up a tire shop. He opens up his own business. Um, He not only changes tires, he manages people. He does the marketing aspect of this. He does the accounting aspect of it, the ordering, all these sorts of things. In 20 years, he's developed a significant amount of college-level learning because he ran his own business. Uh, it's, It's a flawed comparison, but it does kind of help people determine what to look for if they do a portfolio. Uh, That's fantastic. The military military folks I've worked with, generally uh, the services do such a good job of tracking their training and credit that portfolio is not a big big issue for most military people. Uh, They have uh, good resources otherwise, but they're still eligible for one if they can meet the requirements. One of the things I've noticed with our military folks is that they not only have the JST or the CCAF, but they but they do accumulate a lot of uh, certifications and things along the way through their uh, civilian uh, volunteer or voluntary education. So they may have some FEMA certifications, OSHA, things like that. And so um, I don't think they realize what all they can bring to the table. Those, that's a good point. And, and those types of certifications, well... In my personal experience, looking at those things, you know, a a certification for Microsoft Office that took four hours to accomplish really isn't worth any college credit. It's, it's just not enough time. But a lot of those certifications have been evaluated by the American Council of Education. Uh, and if we can identify the certification and the appropriate uh, ACE, American Council of Education evaluation, that's basically free credit. Uh, so that's that's one of the easy ways of doing it. And the other way, those certifications, if they're not ACE evaluated, also make a very good case in a portfolio. They, they really sort of streamline the portfolio process because someone else, FEMA, for example, has said, you know, you've done 15 hours, instructional hours in some type of emergency management, for example, and that can be combined into a portfolio, and it makes it a lot easier for the evaluator to make a decision other than you saying, well, you know, I read a lot of books about emergency management. Yeah, uh, right. That's a little harder to award credit on. So if one of our service members is interested in this program, what is the starting point? What records should they pull together and then have ready when they come to speak to someone such as yourself about the program? Well, first, don't overthink it. What, we, what I don't want to see personally is don't come into my office with, you know, three or four foot pile of binders with every little thing you've done. Uh, I always start 
low-hanging fruit. I start with these with the college transcripts if you have them. Uh, that's the first thing. The next thing I look for is, especially for military, JST or CCAF transcripts. Um, and keep in mind, this is this is not a one-time evaluation. This will be a process. Uh, once I've evaluated those, then I start digging, start looking at, okay, what have you done? You know, what have you done outside of the services? Uh, what additional certificates might you hold? What are your plans? Do you plan on, in fact, if, if you're a mechanic in the uh in the guard, but you want to become a uh, an aircraft mechanic or become a pilot, then we'll factor what your you know near term goals for the next one or two years are into this equation. Because if you're going to get your airframe and power plant mechanic certificate, there's 67 hours of lower division that we don't have to have you taking a bunch of random courses for. So we look at that, and then beyond that, it is very individualized. Um, I would just suggest go for the big stuff. Don't go for the little small, you know, three and four hour continuing ed type things. They usually don't amount to too much. The, the, the courses you took that were several days, several weeks, those are the kind of things that will generally have a better chance of, re, of resulting in credit. But what you said previously is, is really resonating that not only do that, what you just mentioned, but also just take the time and build that relationship with that program director so that that you can communicate the things that you have and the things that you've done so that they better understand how to help you get at the degree, correct? Absolutely. We're speaking different languages, literally. And um, because, you know, as, as an RBA coordinator, I work with people in many, many, many different fields. And I certainly don't, don't have the expertise in, in real estate, for example, or construction management or some of these areas uh, that they may be very, very competent in. So as we work together, I learn about their background, their fields, and uh, in some cases I learned there's, there's tremendous opportunities out there for credit for something that I didn't even know existed. So, yeah, it's, it's critical to build those relationships. So what about after students graduate with the RBA? Can this easily transition into a master's program? It can. Now, as with any degree, there are restrictions. If you want to get a master's in nursing, I'm not sure the RBA is the best way to start. Um, but if you want to master, you want to go to law school, then the RBA works fine for that. Uh, business administration, the RBA works fine for that. If a student is interested in a, in a master's degree, a graduate degree in general, uh, my suggestion is always, before you graduate, talk to schools that offer this degree, schools you're interested in, and ask them what they're looking for in their students and their students' transcripts because the RBA has tremendous flexibility, and if it turns out you need stats, then let's make sure you take stats as part of the RBA and not have to take it in the summer between graduation from tech and law school or, or whatever that may be. So we make, encourage that. Make those courses work for you in both ways is what you're saying. Right, Exactly. So where can one find more information on this program? Well, at Tech, it's, it's pretty easy. It's uh, rba.wvutech.edu. Uh, as I said, all state schools have some type of RBA program and offices. Uh, generally, a website search of you know, within the school uh, will, will reveal that. I honestly think, unfortunately, RBA is the best-kept secret in the state. It's we've, The state was way ahead of its time with RBA, uh, other other states, other schools are doing similar things now, but to the best of my knowledge, nobody in the country has a program that's as good as RBA. It's something we can really be proud of here in West Virginia. Um, and I say all, all the schools have it, and 
just just start searching the websites. It won't be hard to find. So any last tips or advice to someone who's considering this program? Just go do it. Uh, I am an RBA grad myself. Uh, When I was 40 years old, I found myself having been laid off from the airline I was working for, uh, literally working in a warehouse, uh, literally going broke. And um, that's when I stumbled into higher education as a job. And and higher education forced me to get a degree. I didn't have any plans on doing that at age 40. I didn't think it was possible. I've got a wife and four kids at that point. Uh, How can I go back to college and get a degree? That was that was my perspective at the time. And in getting back in higher ed, I came to understand how the RBA degree worked, was able to complete one. It was literally a, a life-changing event for me. I mean, I had to do it to keep my job. But at the same time, it opened so many doors. It, it made me a more, this sounds silly, but a more educated person. And that does change your, your perspective on the world. It's, you know, it's not just checking a box. People look at it that way but it will give you a lot more than just the box check that says you have a degree. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with me on Ed Talks and discussing the Regents program. As we said, it is one more academic option for our service members who often have a good amount of college credit under their belts just from their military service. Join us next time on WVNG Ed Talks when we will discuss the VA representative's role for you and your school. WVNG Ed Talks, tune in, turn it up, and join the conversation.